hello, hello, and welcome to another, finally, episode of Break the Cycle with me, your host, Joshua Smith. Hope everybody's having a wonderful Thursday. It's almost the weekend. You almost made it. Uh, guys, I know I haven't been doing a lot of shows recently, uh, a lot of stuff. It just, it, you know how stuff snowballs. Uh, and then I had some extra shows booked this week. Uh, had one that had to cancel because my internet broke. Uh, and then I was going to do this show last night, but we decided to move it up one. Then I was supposed to do a show on the Conspiracy Castle tonight, but that got rebooked until next week. So I will have a show tonight uh, with a, with an awesome guest. And I'll have another show tomorrow with my good friend James Gentleman from the Blackbird Podcast, uh, Mises, Mises guy from Minnesota. That's going to be a lot of fun. He's the most base gay dude I've ever met in my entire life, by the way. It's going to be savage. You're going to love it, I promise you. Uh, but I'm back. I am back, and we're going to be doing a lot more shows. If you listen to the show uh, just in the audio portion only, you know that at the beginning of the week I told you I was going to be getting back into it uh, head first, and I am. I absolutely am. Uh, this week just had some issues, and next week we will be chocked full of shows again. Uh, guys, but before we get into this awesome show, let's start off with some sponsors. Of course, we have TopLobster.com, the man, the myth, the legend, my good friend, and partner on Break the Cycle, where you can get this great, it didn't have to be this way, Ron Paul hoodie that you see me wearing tonight by using BTC at checkout for a 10% discount, or you can join the Patreon Subscribe star, become a member of the YouTube channel uh, here under all of my videos by hitting the join link where you can get into a private Discord server with awesome people. I mean, just the coolest community ever uh, and get all of Top Lops's new gear up to two weeks before it goes to the general public at like a 30% discount. So big time discount. Um, and uh, I am uploading as we speak right now. So if my internet's a little slow, I'm uploading currently. Uh, the Patreon stuff, I got way behind on that, um, and some of the Patreon goodies that are getting sent out uh, are being sent out this week as well, uh, so if you haven't gotten your mug or your t-shirt, uh, you're probably going to get it really soon, as as soon as the English uh, 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 distributor sends it to you. It takes a while sometimes. Uh, my buddy in Australia still hasn't gotten his his mug, and it's been months, so um, I'm going to have to figure out what's going on there, but go check out toplopsa.com. He is the man, I promise you. Uh, if you haven't been drawn by him, hopefully you will soon. Uh, and of course, executive producers of the show, anthemplanning.com, for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. Check them out today. See what they can do for your business, home, or personal life. They're doing a wonderful job that the government has historically sucked at much cheaper and much more efficiently. Seriously, if you own a business, when you're done with this show, if you're not coming to watch the after hours with the, with my friend tonight and I, uh, then please go check out anthemplanning.com. I promise you they're going to be able to do something awesome for your business that saves you time and money. I guarantee it. Uh, and I know some people that are working with them already from the show, uh, and they say nothing but good things. So definitely go check them out. Guys, we've got a great show for you tonight. I'm very excited. So... Years and years and years ago, okay, I went to uh, a football game. I was a young kid. I was probably, I had to be 8, 9, or 10, somewhere in there. Uh, as most of you know, I'm from the Bay Area, California, uh, right outside of Oakland and, and Berkeley. And uh, uh, a rich man uh, took me and my family to um, see the East-West Shriners game at the uh, UC Berkeley campus uh, back when Bobby Shaw was still a wide receiver in college. So this was a long time ago. I had no idea what the Shriners were, um, but I have kind of followed them here and there over the years since. They do a lot of really great work uh, through the, the Shriners Hospital. And so when I saw a gentleman in the Mises Caucus uh, and a libertarian that was also a Shriner, I asked him if he would like to come on the show. He is my friend Dustin S. Blankenship. Sir, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself, Josh? Oh, you know, I can't complain, man. I'm just uh, trying to hang in there, get some more shows up for people. I know uh, I know that, it, you know, I've been, I've been running behind and 
um, doing the, the campaign for vice chair, obviously, and then, uh, you know, having seven kids and, and a job and all that stuff. So it's a lot, uh, but we, we are getting more, you know, into the grind now. And, and uh, I'm kind of finding my stride when it comes to to getting into these state conventions, which is, you know, it's it's hard you, when you're trying to go to a state convention every weekend or every other weekend. It's it's hard to do. Um, it was it was. You know, at one time in my life, it was really easy because I just I didn't care about anything. I could just hop on a plane Friday night and travel out all the time constantly. Um, now I can do that. It's just uh, I got to plan it out about a week in advance. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I uh, it's by the way, I should probably give you fair warning. I have two crazy puppies that have been napping at my feet until the exact moment that we went live. Oh, so man. if you hear a dog bark. You're not going crazy. It's, it's just one of my months. And that's and you know what? That's totally fine. I just realized that on your ticker, I said follow the Dave on Facebook at Dustin S. Blankenship. <laughs> uh, that was from last show when I had uh, Dave Casey on, who's a wonderful friend of mine and um, always a lot of fun. But brother, let's talk. Okay, look, we're gonna get into the Mises Caucus stuff tonight. Um, you're in West Virginia, correct? That is correct. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll take the show out singing, uh, singing that really fun song that everyone loves. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, so let's start off with t- talking about your journey to Liberty. You're in the Mises Cox, you're a Shriner, but, um, everybody's got a road to, to Liberty and, 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 and freedom. And, and especially, you know, us, us, our, our, uh, us Austrian guys, uh, we, we all have different stories, man, but how did you get to where you are today? Oh, I think it was, uh, definitely a long and probably at least partially disinteresting road. Um, I started out in Southern West Virginia. So I'm a direct descendant of Devlin's Hatfield, um, who most people know from the Hatfield McCoy feud. And um, this growing up, everybody was a Democrat. That That's where, where I come from. Everybody loves the union and everybody's a Democrat. And that's what you do. Um, and so I knew as soon as I was ready to register to vote, I was going to register Democrat, so that's what I did. And um, I was the only person in my town with an Obama for America sign oh, because geez. I thought that was the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then I got to college, and I kind of took the opposite path that you hear most people say about when they get to college, which is, you know, you, you hear the story that they went to college and they became a liberal. Um, I went to college and I learned about political science. I learned about economics, and I realized pretty quickly that I was not actually um, liberal. And so I thought for a while, well, maybe I'm a Republican. And so I tried that for a little while. Um, and I realized very quickly, oh, no, I'm not a Republican. Um, and that was about the time, that was uh, circa 2012. And that was when um, you know I saw uh, clips and started learning about Ron Paul and really bought in uh, to what he was saying. And um, at around the same time, I had decided I was in law school and I decided that I was going to go ahead and get my master's in public administration. And in our master's program, uh, we had a self-proclaimed communist that was teaching us uh, public finance and economics. And she, to her credit, she taught all of the schools. Um, and I really took to the Austrian school, we watched. Um, I don't know if you've seen the uh, the version. It's like epic rap battles of history, but it's oh a, yes, a, of course the, the rap, right? And I just said this makes so much sense. And uh, from there, I kind of started studying more and learning. And um, 
it always kind of stuck with me. And fast forward, got to meet some people in the party, and I, I just knew ultimately the Libertarian Party was going to be the right place for me. I didn't know at what point it was going to be the right time to make the call. And then around 2017, I just said, you know what? I've had enough of Democrats. I've had enough of Republicans. I know that this is what I am. Um, you know, this is the, the true path to a free society is through the principles of libertarian party, specific libertarianism in general, and um, ultimately made the call, switch the, the party registration officially, uh, even though I'd been telling everyone it was funny. I had a Facebook memory come up um, a couple weeks back, and uh, it was from 2012, 2013, where I was talking about being a libertarian. Um, and uh, of course, you know, back then in my heart, as they say, I was, but officially in 2017. And then I got connected with a couple of great guys here in West Virginia um, and uh, slowly but surely just kind of uh, embedded myself. You know, you mentioned the Mises Caucus. Um, that was actually kind of the first group of people that I met in the West Virginia Libertarian Party. Um, I had registered. I said I was going to go to the convention. Uh, one of my best friends, who's also a Shriner, he, uh, his name's Taylor Richmond. He's actually on the state XCOM here in West Virginia. Um, Taylor had said uh, he wanted to go to the convention. I wanted to go, so we rode together, and um, we had connected with some guys, uh, Will, uh, who's our state chair, um, and several other guys. And uh, they, it was it's funny. We, we were talking the other day, and I'm like, it's so strange is I can't imagine a day now that would go by without talking to these people. But yet a year ago, we had never spoken. Right. Um, so it really brought a sense of community for me within the Libertarian Party um, and, and gave me really something to buy into. And the more that I learned and grew um, and, and really, you know, kind of came into that side of things uh, through obviously Dave Smith's show. Um, and then uh, one of my fraternity brothers from undergrad, um, I'm a form, former national president of a college social fraternity, and uh, Cameron, one of our, one of my fraternity brothers who lives in Florida, um, suggested that I join the Mises Caucus group because I was interested in uh, Austrian economics. I had, uh, really enjoyed um, the um, the show from uh, um, oh gosh, I'm trying to uh, Friedman's show back in the '80s. It's slipping my brain. Oh, uh, free uh, to yeah, free shoes. I was about to I was about to say that too. And actually, somebody in the chat just asked if uh, your teacher taught the Chicago school, which is funny too so um yeah. <laughs> oh. that's fantastic yeah, yeah so free to choose was a big thing that helped me um you know head that direction and uh the other thing i would say is to her credit as well she loved to debate and so um oftentimes i would tell her why she was dead wrong and we had some really epic arguments in that course that i think strengthened me in the long run and then um actually when the course was over she gave me a hug and told me that I was one of her favorite students she had ever had. Oh, that's because great. Because I was one of the few students that had ever challenged her on every belief that she had. Sure, sure. So, and I love that. I think that's really important no matter what the conversation is. When you're going to you know, have a discussion, have a debate, you don't always have to reach the same conclusion. But if you can both grow and learn and understand each other better, it's wonderful. And I, I teach college courses now, and I'm an administrator uh, for WBJC, and that's one of the things I do debates in almost all of my classes. And I tell the students, I don't always expect you all to, you know, at the end be like, oh, this person's right. Uh, but what I do want you to do is to understand where they're coming from and to really fully 
see their perspective. Sure. Uh, I think we can we can grow a lot by doing that. Well, and it takes. I mean, it takes balls. As a college student, I you know I remember going to college my first time. I went to, I went to college as an adult, like as a as like a full like on my way to thirty year old year old adult. And and it it takes less balls when you're an adult, but when you're a young person and you're in college and you're you know you. You're coming from the the. A lot of us are coming from the public school to prison pipeline, and uh, and we're hopping into these 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 classes that we look to these uh, people as administrators or or authority figures. It takes a lot of balls to to debate your college professor. You know what I mean? When you're you you, you go into college and you feel like I don't know anything. You know these people. Th- these people are the people that are going to teach me everything. And I think that's kind of the problem in the college, ed- like college system, is that a lot of kids go in there thinking, "Hey, I don't know anything." This person at the front of the classroom knows everything, and so I have to just listen and do whatever they tell me. And and they start to adopt every belief of that teacher. So it does take it does take some balls to to push back on a on a on a college professor and say, "Hey, you know, I think you might be wrong here. I read this. Can we talk about this?" It takes balls, and I'm I'm glad to see people that do that. And I, I bet you're a great teacher because you welcome that. <laughs> I I am told that I am, although I've also been told that you know uh, I could eat certain things and die. So you know, it, you never know. There are there are lots of different opinions, but uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, for me, when I teach, especially you know, if I can foster a, a debate environment that where everybody feels comfortable to speak their opinions. I think that's probably the best classroom environment that you can have. So. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it whatsoever. Uh, shout out to Matthew Lucas for the $10 super chat, brother. I appreciate you. Another one of my favorite West Virginians. Uh, he says, get to your state convention so you can help vote Dustin to the LNC and Josh. Are you a Raiders fan? No, I'm not a Raiders fan. I grew up <laughs> right outside of Oakland. Uh, but I am not a Raiders fan. A, a lot, most of my friends are Raiders fans or Niners fans. And, uh, and, uh, when it's the Raiders or Niners and not the Cowboys, which I am a fan of, uh, I, I root for the Raiders or Niners, but I am a Cowboys fan first. But wait, you're, you're a Cowboys fan. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Hang on. I have to, I have to pull something up and read oh, it here we go. because my mind was blown by this fact today. And, and I think it's just too appropriate. Is it, is it the Trent Dilfer, uh, the Trent Dilfer one? No, it's a Joe Burrow fact. Oh, okay, yeah. Well. So th- this true fact, and you can fact check me on this, Joe Burrow has led the Bengals to more playoff wins in 15 days than Dak Prescott has led the Cowboys to in six years. Yeah, well, and here, you know what? I heard an even worse fact the other day, first of all. Uh, Trent Dilfer has more playoff wins since 1990, 1996 uh, than the Cowboys do, and that hurts me. Ooh. That hurts me so bad to think about. Um, you know, it's it's funny because I, you know, I'm a Cowboys fan. My mom, my mom fucked me up. My mom gave me a, a Dallas Cowboys starters parka when I was like, I don't know, five or six for Christmas, and uh, and uh, this was right before. Well, I guess I was a little bit older. Maybe I was ten. Um, yeah, because it was right before we won ninety five, ninety six back to back Super Bowls. And uh, so it was like, I got this parka. I was like, yeah, I'm kind of a Cowboys fan. Started watching the Cowboys games. We won back-to-back Super Bowls. We take a year off. We won another Super Bowl. And it was like the, the, the course was set. You know what I mean? And then I spent the next 30 years of my life uh, crying at the at, at every postseason. I mean, really, it is. It, it was like this year. You know, we had this this season, and I'm and I'm watching them, and I'm going. I know we shouldn't get into football talk, but I don't care. And and I'm watching them, and I'm and I'm going. Okay, we lost to 
teams that we should have wrecked, like like Denver. Okay, there was no reason for us to lose to the Denver Broncos whatsoever, and it was a shitty game. We played really bad. Uh, we lost to the Raiders. We lost to teams that we should have wrecked. And uh, so I was, you know, going in the postseason. I had a little bit of optimism, but I was sure, you know, I was just going to be let down again. You know, it's just it's, it's it's almost becoming like the Dallas Cowboys curse at this point. You know what I mean? Like I I don't say. I don't say at the uh, at the beginning of every season this is our year anymore. I, I said that for like two decades. You know what I mean? This is our year. This is the year we're going to do it. And then we didn't. Um, and so uh, they're kind of they're kind of becoming like the San Jose Sharks to me. I'm a big hockey fan, big San Jose Sharks fan. Uh, there's been like five years since the inception of the San Jose Sharks that we did not go to the postseason, and we have never won a cup. So wow. that's insane. Um, you know, and, and we did, we did make it to the cup once and got wrecked by, uh, by the penguins. So, um, you know, it, it, my teams, that's just how I roll dude until, except for the warriors. I was a warriors fan my whole life too. Right. And I waited 32 years to watch them win a championship. And now they're like, now everybody's like, you're a fair weather fan. I'm like, bitch, <laughs> I spent 30 years waiting for them to win a, win a championship. Are you kidding me? Fair weather. Get out of here. I saw I saw the 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 Golden State Warriors play the Atlanta Hawks in Atlanta, okay, where Latrell Sprewell hit a three-pointer while we were down by two at the buzzer to win the game. I've been watching them my whole life. <laughs> and and you are not allowed to call me a fair weather fan. You know what I mean? Oh well, I, I am a bandwagon fan of the Warriors one hundred percent. I did not watch the NBA at all until they started playing well. Steph Curry said, Okay, I'm gonna watch them. Uh, so, but I only watch playoff basketball because just like baseball, you know, it, it's boring to me unless there's something on the line. Well, and see, there's another team. I'm a, I'm a diehard Oakland A's fan. I grew up at the Oakland Coliseum. Okay. We have not won a world series since 1989. Okay. Where we, where we swept the San Francisco giants in the battle of the Bay, but everyone puts an asterisk next to it. Because it was it, it was happening when we had the 1989 Loma Prieta earthquake, so we had to play because the candlestick got wrecked in the earthquake. We had to play every single game at home in Oakland, and so every Giants fan's like, "Well, you only won because you had to play every game at home." Fuck you guys. You know what I mean? Like, ouch, my heart. But it, 1989. That's the last time the 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 Oakland A's. I was six years old the last time the Oakland A's won a World Series, and I'm, that was when I was born. Yeah, yeah, I was born in 1983. Uh, <laughs> So, so I was six and, uh, and, uh, I'm almost, I'm pushing 40. I'm a, I'm a year away from 40 March, March will be my 39th birthday. And, uh, I have not seen my, my, my Oakland A's win a world series in a long time. So, um, but, but let's, let's, let's look, I, I enjoy the sports talk. I could do sports and music all day. I literally can't, but, uh, let's talk, let's talk about the Mises Cox a little bit. We're going to get into the Shriner stuff. I really want to kind of ride the show out on that, but. Mises Caucus, man. Uh, I've been with the caucus since 2017. Um, I was there when it was 55 people in a Facebook group. Um, and, and uh, you know, before Dave Smith and Tom Woods, I was the face. I was the guy. I traveled to, I traveled to 25 states in 2017, 2018. I traveled to another uh, 13 before they shut me down for COVID in 2020. Um, and uh, I put in a lot of time and effort for it. I think it's the best vehicle for moving not just the party forward, but moving liberty forward politically in this country. Um, what what does the caucus mean to you, man? And why are you why are you a part of it? It's not it's got to be more than just the Austrian thing, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that's you know for me, I I'm gonna I'm gonna say this to the I I, I always I, I don't like the word politically correct, but I always try to be a nice person. 
So I'm going to try to be nice in saying what I'm going to say. We don't but, have that in common, buddy. I get yeah. it, though. I get it. It's okay. Uh, but <laughs> I I hate our messaging out of national, right? Sure. Like it's you know to the word milk toast would be a, uh, a understatement. Positive. Yeah. yeah, it's an understatement. <laughs> like that that would be that would be a compliment for the messaging that we've had. I mean, just look no further than the the logo that was put out for the convention. Oh, it's so bad. Right. Like it's it's absolutely atrocious. Uh, and to whomever did it, I, I'm you know, if, if it's somebody that we pay to do that, one probably we should be looking at, you know, whether uh, they should stay on staff. <laughs> But just in general, right, like it's that's just one example of this whole idea that, you know, we're going to truly turn people around and turn the country around and win hearts and win minds by going out and just being the, the most Democrat we can be when we need to be and, and to really not like the Republicans, but also try to win some of them. Like, no, what we need to do is we need to have strong messaging. We need to go out and we need to tell things the way they are. Um, you know, I, I find, for example, like I think Angela uh, McCardle is so inspirational because I love just her approach to things. She's so direct. Um, you know, I, I think there are so many of you guys, and, and I would include you and in, in the, the group of them, that, you know, you go out and you speak your mind, you, it, but it's, it's not just your mind. You really speak what you truly feel um, is the truth, right? And I think that that matters so much more. Right. Um, I also just got a message letting me know that one of our uh, organizers here in West Virginia is older than everyone, including you. So he's now very <laughs> sad to learn that he's old. Um, hey, man, but, I'm, I'm uh, I, I never said I was the oldest guy around, but I'm definitely I'm definitely a lot older than a lot of the Mises caucus people for sure. <laughs> I just look good. It's the beard. It hides the wrinkles, you know. Listen, that's why I keep the stash, man. It's, you know, you got to have something that keeps you young but distinguished. So, but, you know, honestly, truly, it was the messaging for me because, as you said, I really think that getting out and telling things the way they are, you know, I, I think people are really tired of everything being, you know, to use the the, the phrase I said earlier, you know, PC, right? Like, it, people want to hear the truth. They know how they're feeling. And the Libertarian Party and the messaging of the Libertarian Party should reflect the fact that we are supposed to be a free society. Right, that there are so many um, things that are just shocking going on in the country right now that I couldn't have imagined. You know, uh, you know, I will say, and this is probably going to not get me very many fans, but uh, I don't watch Joe Rogan, don't listen to Joe Rogan. It's not that I dislike. Oh, Rogan, you're so but, fired, dude. Oh, I know, I, I know. <laughs> I, I just he's he's on the radar. It's just every time I start to go that route, I wind up watching or listening to somebody else before I get there. I, li uh, I, I just a uh, full disclosure. I listen to Joe Rogan very rarely, like very rarely. And, well, and now it, I feel less bad. Yeah. And it's, I usually listen to an episode when it's like, there's a huge uproar about an episode. Like, of course I was going to watch the Dr. Robert Malone episode. I think that's one of the most, probably the most important podcast episode that has come out in five years. If you haven't listened to all three hours of it, you need to. Um, and, and so like I listen to him occasionally, but I'd much rather listen to something that's even more entertaining, like, like Dave Smith or Tom Woods or, or Michael Malice stuff. Like I, I enjoy, I enjoy those podcasts and I, and I listen to a whole list of podcasts that are not politically motivated whatsoever as well. So, um, 
you know, that's how it is. And then I, I listen to kids podcasts at home a lot too for the kids. So <laughs> well, I, I don't do the kids podcast. Well, I guess technically I do watch some like Disney theory podcasts from time to time. So I guess I do also listen to kid podcasts, but, um, but yeah, I, I do a lot of different ones. Uh, Lex Friedman is one of my He's great. Favorites. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. You know, I, I think he, he has such a unique approach. So, uh, but I say that with the preface that I can't imagine or, or at least in my recent recollection, I can't remember a time when a White House has come out and essentially said that, you know, someone in what is now modern media should be silenced or, or uh, at the very least, you know, censored. Um, that's that's shocking to me. And people should be upset about that. But, you know, we, we kind of we push it under the rug because, well, it's just Joe Rogan right. or, you know, it's just Alex Jones. Right. We, we don't like we don't like what Alex Jones says. So who cares? It's just Alex. Jones. Which is funny, though, because, you know, Joe Rogan has more daily listeners than CNN combined. Right. All of their oh, shows yeah. combined. And every single time Joe Rogan has had Alex Jones on, they've hit over 100 million viewers. OK, this, these are not these these people have way these people have more visibility than the White House. Right. You know what I mean? Straight up. That's why they're that's why they're upset. At the end of the day, that's what it is. They have more viewers than the White House press conferences, dude. You know what I mean? And that's a that's a big deal to them. So, oh yeah, well, and actually, kind of interesting sidebar there as well. Um, you know, talking, you know, speaking of messaging, uh, one of the things I, I, I found really interesting. There was a report that came out, and I, I can't remember who did the study now, uh, but it's been a, a couple of years back, and they analyzed the reading level of the speeches that were given by the various different presidents or presidential candidates. Sure. And, um, you know, the, one of the things they talked about was how Obama was one of the most educated sounding presidents. His was at a, a minimum. Each speech was minimum high school reading level. Um, and they said, you know, shockingly, Donald Trump is at a fourth grade reading level. Just... And, and they said that as if it was a bad thing. Right. But there's a reason why people responded to Donald Trump, whether whether they liked him or disliked him, people understood what he was saying and he spoke to a lot of people. Right. And I think that when that study was done, they really took the wrong information away from the study, which was we're going to praise certain presidents for talking above the general population. But, you know, the vast majority of Americans aren't going to be speaking to their friends and family on a graduate school reading level every day. But I can guarantee you, you go into most blue-collar workplaces. I mean, my dad was a coal miner for 33 years. My whole family, we come from coal mining, timber, right? Like, you go in there, they don't really care if you're going to try to use big words. That, they don't have time for that, right? Like, they, they want to connect with you. They want to learn about these things. They want to have conversations with a real person. And, and I think that's the thing that didn't get taken away, which was why is Donald Trump popular? One of the reasons is because people understood him and they liked what they heard. And I think that we can learn a lot from that, too, in terms of our messaging, which is if we are speaking the truth and we're saying it in a way that everybody can understand, dang, I think we can go a real long way doing that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And well, it's it's funny because I've talked to like, you know, obviously I've known a lot of people that have run for office or, or have um, uh, aspirations, uh, political aspirations of running for office, uh, working in politics and traveling around the country and stuff. And something that I'm always telling people is I want to see blue collar, cl like working class people run for office because that's just something that 
historically is not the way things were done in this country. Blue collar people did not run for office. They didn't get involved in politics. They just voted, you know, their party, whatever they thought it was. Um, I want to see libertarians really champion. Like, look, look right now, the, the communists in this, in this country and the DSA, and these are the people that are championing, championing. I always see it. I always fuck that word up. Uh, championing, uh, the, the, the working class, right? But they don't care about the working class at the end of the day. They, they, the, the vast majority of the DSA looks down their nose at the working class. If you tell them, Oh, I'm a janitor, but I'm not going to get vaccinated against COVID because I don't, I don't think it's a good idea right now. They're going to be like, that's because you're a stupid janitor, right? Like that's how they treat people in this country. Literally. So I'd like to see the Libertarian Party be the the, the working class party because we're really at the end of the day, you know, nobody understands the, the plight of, of the majority of millions of Amer- Americans than the working class and the people who get up every day and put on boots and go and build America. I mean, that's those are the people that understand our plight more than anything. And they're the people who have uh, the government writing their back the hardest. Right. We don't absolutely we don't get a bunch of tax subsidies and we don't get you know, we don't we don't get all all these like little breaks here and there that the that the the elite get. Right. We we have to go out and we have to struggle and we have to support our families. And if we're living paycheck to paycheck, no one's coming to fucking save us. You know what I mean? Like we have to do it on our own. In fact, you know, I I was reading a study the other day um, about uh, about um, uh, borrowing money. Right. And how uh, something like 60 percent of the of the population in this country can't even borrow money uh, because they don't have or not. No, it wasn't 60, 60 percent of the working uh, of, of blue collar America can't can't even borrow money because they don't have a good enough credit because they're living paycheck to paycheck, trying to support families. Um, and 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 you have to look at these people, you know, like like me. OK, let's say I made eighty thousand dollars last year or something like that. I'm not going to tell you the actual factor, but I, I supported a family of nine all year last year by myself financially. OK, there was some weeks we struggled. You know what I mean? There were some weeks that we struggled and and, uh, you know, people like me were, you know, if, if I, I got tons of tax money taken out until we got all the kids at once. But um if I had had that tax money, we would never have struggled. And I'm telling you, with doctor's bills, with school, uh, with with optometry bills and, and glasses and dentists and all that stuff, if I had just had my tax money back, none of those emergencies that popped up last year would have been a problem for me whatsoever. And that's a person who's raising a family of nine by myself. Okay? Oh, yeah. So so it's, it's really, really crazy um, – <laughs> Sorry, David Bradley, uh, the road to Providence. What's up, brother? He said, "Kids podcast." Thanks for the shout out, Josh. He's a young man. He's a young, young man. I I don't even know if I, I, David. Are you eighteen yet? I know. Oh, yeah, because he's in college. He's got to be eighteen, right? Um, well, I mean, he could be a prodigy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but but that's what I want to see. I want to see more people who have lived the struggle uh, become libertarian candidates because nobody understands you know, America better than we do. Nobody. We're, we're building America. We're living the struggles of America. We, we bear the burden of being an American every single day. These elite assholes and doctors and lawyers and fucking uh, career politicians and that run for office. They don't, they don't struggle. They're not struggling. They've never had to, they've never had to figure out how to make a a family or a, a meal last an entire night for a family of nine. You know what I mean? Like they don't have to do that shit. Okay, so so I want to see more of you who are are blue collar that are like, I hate politics. Politics sucks. I want to see you go the other direction and run for office, because if you could become a state rep, okay, you have the opportunity to really affect change in your state. If you could get into Congress, 
I don't care who you I don't care if you run as a Democrat, a Republican, a Libertarian. I would like you to run as a Libertarian. I don't care what you run as. If you have uh, working class values, okay, and you're trying to to make life easier on the working class by getting the government monkey off my back, I want to see you run. Like I want to, I, those are the people that I want. I would like to see half of Congress be blue collar. I would like to see half of Congress be construction workers in ten years. You know what I mean? Hi kids, do you like violence? Are you sick to death of pussyfooting around the truth while being constantly fed lies by news and big tech tyrants? If so, then come join me, Dan Smots, on The System Is Down, where we get weird, have fun, and dig into all the dangerous taboo topics like conspiracies, politics, religion, culture, current events, and everything your family just prays you don't bring up around the Thanksgiving dinner table. And I know that reality is scary to some people, so if you're easily offended, just ignore this and go back to making cat memes or whatever. But if you're ready to change the world for the better, come join me on The System Is down at tsidpod.com or wherever you get podcasts that's tsidpod.com because the system is down and truth is taking over so josh pop quiz yeah okay uh we're, and i'm sure you're gonna know the answer to this does the constitution is there any are there any constitutional requirements for the supreme court because we've got a supreme court vacancy are there any constitutional requirements that they be a lawyer or have gone to law nope. school or have been a judge nope None, right? right? I have said since I graduated from law school, and I, I'm, I've, I've upset a lot of professors in law school because I have made the comment for years they should put a farmer on the Supreme Court. That would be great. Because I've never met anyone in my life that has more common sense than a farmer. And I stand by, if you, if you put one farmer on the Supreme Court, they would fix so many of these complete wacko rulings that come out of this court. Sure. And this is speaking from someone with a background... It blows my mind how we go down some of these paths. So seriously, I, I think you're spot on, but it's, you know, and, and it, one of the things that I will say, my, my friend Taylor says this, and he's very correct. If we want to affect the most change, especially in West Virginia, uh, and I'm sure there are several other states that are the same, West Virginia magistrate judges, they deal with most, well, quite frankly, all arraignments in West Virginia uh, most criminal cases start out at the magistrate level. There, there are tons of other kinds of claims as well. A magistrate judge has no requirement other than a high school degree. If you have graduated from high school in the state of West Virginia, you can be a magistrate. If you really want to affect the most change, especially in this state, go run for magistrate and then sit in that on that bench and make decisions that are going to help people be more free. Sure. That's how you really make the most change. And then second point in West Virginia, you mentioned the legislature at state level. Right now, one vote shift in West Virginia would be enough to completely change the tide of all decisions being made uh, in our state house. It really just just one. Yep. So if there's a lot of states like that. Dustin. There's a lot of states like that. A lot. Oh yeah. One I don't think people understand can make that much of a difference. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I don't think people understand. I I live in Iowa, so it wouldn't make a huge difference because I mean it's you know ninety six percent Republican, you know. Um, but there are some states where if you if you become the Libertarian Island in state legislature, now both parties have to come to you to get stuff passed. Period. Right. They're gonna have to build. They're gonna have to build that repertoire with you to get stuff passed. And and people don't understand how simple that can really be. Um, I think I think state leg scares some people. Uh, cause you have to, you, you know, legislature is not easy to understand. 
it's definitely not easy to write. Um, and and state, most state legislators don't have staffers. You know what I mean? It's not like it's not like Congress and Senate where you have staffers. When you're a state legislator, you're actually the one doing the work. It's not it's not staffers. And so I think it scares people. But man, even if you, if you're a libertarian, okay, and you can get into office as a state legislator, even if you never put forth legislation ever, you can affect change. Because you can become that island vote that people have to work for, especially in some of these some of these smaller states, um, West Virginia, obviously. Um, I know that Wyoming, you know, there was uh, the when we won two state legislator seats there, they were able to affect some change, um, but they brought forth legislation. You know, the Republicans there kind of had to make some inroads with the Libertarians. It really changes the political landscape in your state to a more free direction. And then you have, you know, you have states like New Hampshire where, where all these libertarians went in one office by running as a Republican, and now they've pretty much just taken over the state legislature. We see them pushing forth legislation to, to, to um, secede and, and complete, uh, completely abolish uh, schools, and now, they're, now they have a $5,000 a year uh, uh, grant that's following the students instead of going to the schools. I mean... You know, you can really make a difference. I know, I know that I, I have a lot of viewers who are like, politics is garbage, and you'll never do anything as a libertarian. And but I, I disagree. I think that we can, and I think that you know, at the end of the day, this liberty game, especially in politics, is an asymmetrical warfare game that we need to be firing on every single angle possible because that's how these people play it on us every day. If it's not COVID, it's the war on Russia or the war in the Middle East. That you know, it's it's taxes. It's it's a constant attack on you from all angles so we have to go we have to fire back that way and so you know i i think that's a great idea too the judicial i think that you know judicial branch of office gets overlooked all the time and you can make such a huge difference there as well and you're not the only state like that i mean there's a lot of states where um you you can you know you can become a, a magistrate or or a attorney general or whatever the hell it is you don't have to be you don't have to be a lawyer you don't have right. to have any law degree whatsoever to do it. Um, and uh, and sheriff, too. That's another one that I think a lot of people don't understand. A lot of states, Michigan, I know for sure, um, and a lot of states, they're elected sheriffs that ha- that don't have to have any background whatsoever in criminal justice. Now, I'm going to do a really bad segue here, Josh, but uh, do, do, you, do you, you mentioned sheriffs. Do you like shooting guns? I do, yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, and you mentioned state conventions that you're visiting. Are you planning on coming to the West Virginia State Convention? Uh, I gotta look in. I gotta look into the dates. I would like to come okay. to. You know, I, West Virginia is one of the states that I have not uh, visited for a libertarian event before. You, you know who said the same thing? Oh. Spike Cohen. Guess who's coming to the West Virginia Convention? And are you guys doing a gun shoot with Spike Cohen? And we're doing a machine gun shoot. Oh fuck, dude! So it's March eleventh uh, and twelfth. Um, the meet and greets on the eleventh. Oh, the shoots on the twelfth. I will be in Michigan that weekend for sure. Well, you know. That's too sad for Michigan. They're they're gonna <laughs> you're, you're just gonna have to cancel because you got to come shoot machine guns in the East handle with the West Virginia guys. I might yeah. just have to make a special. You know, it's funny. I I uh, in twenty in my campaign in 2017, 2018, I hopped on Adam Kokesh's uh, bus for two two and a half weeks or something like that. Um, I I flew into Ohio, hopped on his bus from the Ohio State Convention. We drove overnight. To, I drove his bus overnight after a convention for two days um, to, to North Carolina, Hot, woke up Sunday morning, walked into the North Carolina convention, brushed my teeth, and gave a speech, and I had been driving all night. Um, and, uh, and then we had tacos at a Mexican restaurant. I slept in the bus for two hours. I hopped up and started driving towards Kentucky. And we stopped in West Virginia. 
and slept at a rest stop, like a not a rest stop, but like a truck stop in the uh-huh. in the bus in West Virginia. And I just remember driving through West because West Virginia is one of those states that a lot of people don't know a lot about. It's, it's you know oh, it's one yeah. of those less talked about states. And I'm driving through West Virginia, going, "Holy shit! This is one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen in my entire." life now and 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 immediately you know when we're going to north carolina going through the smoky mountains and all that stuff was just uh, immaculate but then coming back through west virginia i just i realized it was it was daytime and i was just like wow this is it's so gorgeous i don't think people understand how gorgeous it is man oh yeah i uh i make the made the joke you know, we were talking earlier uh, before we came on about being fans of movies and um in bruce almighty uh you know the the, the jim carrey film um, one of the biggest Easter eggs that I don't think anybody notices is that his apartment number is 304, which is the only area code in West Virginia, which is almost heaven. Oh, right, right. That's right. They so. say West Virginia is almost heaven. That's right. And uh, and there's some great songs about West Virginia, my friend. Some great ones. Oh, we, yeah. We could sing it on the way out of here. but uh, um, <laughs> Well, WVU has been losing all their basketball games, so we haven't gotten to sing it very much. Oh, lately. bummer. That's a bummer, dude. Yeah, it's it's amazing, dude. I, I, I It's definitely a place that's on my bucket list to like actually visit now um, instead of just driving through. So um, well, it, it's gorgeous. I, I'm up here in Morgantown. We've got WVU football, all kinds of wonderful things, and I've got a, a pretty good spare bedroom that you're looking at part of in the background right now. So – if you like wood paneling, you've got a free place to stay anytime you want to come to Morgan. I, I do wonder how long that drive would be. You know what I mean? I think it's. I think uh, last time I looked, it was only like it was only from Iowa to 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 uh, Baltimore because I had a, like a nine hour layover in Baltimore on my way home from uh, on my way home from Boston. Like, cool. Thanks for flying me for twenty minutes to just have me sleep in an airport. Um, but uh, I, my fiance is like, I'll drive there and pick you up right now. We looked, and it was only like. It was only like a nine-hour drive from Iowa to to, yeah. to Baltimore, ten-hour drive or something. I was like, oh yeah, we could we could pull that off. So West Virginia can't be that far. Yes, it's not bad at all. Um, Seventy takes you most of the way. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny moving to Iowa. How I could just drive everywhere now. It's like <laughs> I lived in California and, and Washington. I I lived in California. and I just kept moving north. Right. I moved back up to the Bay Area from San Francisco or from San Diego. Um, and then I moved to Portland, Oregon. And then I moved to, to, to Southern Washington. It was like I just kept going as far away from California as I could get. Um, and now I'm in the middle of the country. But it was like when I was running in 2017, 2018, I just I had to fly, you know, everywhere I went. And it was like an all day excursion, no matter where I was going, unless it was like somewhere on the West Coast. It was like I'd have a layover that took a couple hours and then I'd get back on a plane. And finally, by the evening, I'd leave at like five o'clock in the morning. And finally, by the evening that night, I'd be wherever the hell I was going. And it was just it was hell. Now I can drive to Nebraska, Illinois, Michigan, (laughs) uh, Missouri, Minnesota. I mean, it's wild, and all within like four to four to eight hours max. I mean, I, I we can get down to to Arkansas in eight and a half hours. It's crazy. Wow, wild, wild man. But uh, yeah, it, West Virginia is not that close to everything. So no, no, you guys are. I mean, you're almost East Coast at this point. I, just to get because we don't have a lot of interstate here, really. Right. And so, or or four lanes in general. So to get from Morgantown to my parents' house, which really isn't that far in terms of distance, but because you have to drive relatively slowly, it's about a five-hour drive where if I were going into Pennsylvania at the same time amount, I could be to New York in just about the same amount of time as it would take me to get to my parents' house in West Virginia. That's so crazy, dude. Yep. It's so crazy. It, it is That whole area is just wild to me too, man. I, You know, it's like, 
like, I don't know, once you get like halfway up the East Coast, you can go through like 10 states in a matter of eight hours or something. Like, you're just like, how? How? It doesn't make any sense. Coming from California, it takes you all day to drive from the top to the bottom. I mean, literally, it's like <laughs> like 15 hours. You know what I mean? And that's one state. And if you're driving across the country, it takes you two days to get through Texas. Two whole oh, yeah. days. <laughs> I, I lived in Texas for one year. And immediately decided that was a bad life choice and moved back to West Virginia. Yeah, dude. It's Texas. I lived in Texas for 30 days and I got the hell out of there. So I get what part it. part of Texas? Dallas. Right outside of Dallas. Mesquite. I, I lived in Austin. Yeah. That's even worse. Dallas is, yeah. o- Dallas is okay. Austin is, is, Austin is a lot of fun to visit. Yes. I could never, I could never live there. That's like, but it's very difficult to live in the People's Republic of Austin. Yeah, that's it's basically how all the like blue states and cities are now. Like they're super cool to visit, dude. Like California is a lot of fun. New York's a lot. Well, it was a lot of fun when you could go do stuff without having you know a, a medical procedure forced on you. Uh, Chicago's a lot of fun. I mean, these cities are fun to visit, but you can't live there. You can't right. fucking live there. I, I had to move. I had to move to Iowa, where you know it's one fifth the cost of living in California. I can leave my front door unlocked all night. Nothing. Nothing gets stolen. You know, no one gets shot here. It's uh, it's affordable. It's it's crazy, man. It's crazy. It's, you got to yeah. get the hell out of those cities. You got my go. mortgage for the home that I have here in Morgantown is half the price of half the rent for my apartment in Austin. Yes, yeah, that's what I was. <laughs> I, I pay. I pay uh, less than double. Okay, I was a thousand dollars a month to rent a room in California, to rent a room, mm-hmm. a room, not a, not an apartment, not a house, a room. Here in in Iowa, I have a five bedroom house with a fully ba- built out basement uh, for about six hundred dollars more a month than I was paying to rent a room. Wow. Yeah. Yep. It's amazing. I'm telling you, people need to start paying attention to the flyover states. It's 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 wonderful here. Get the hell out of those cities, man. It's cold. Yep. It's cold as shit. Like right now, I woke up this morning and my battery, my car wouldn't start because it was too cold. The battery was. Oh, that. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like the 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 we have a minivan and apparently we need a bigger a bigger battery because at a certain temperature your battery will not start because of the cold cranking amps. And so mm-hmm. I woke up this morning and it was so cold, and we're talking it was like negative fifteen or something like that. It was so cold that the van would not start. So uh, you have to be ready for that if you move to the middle of the country, unless you're in the south. Right. But uh okay, so we're we're uh, we're about 15 minutes away from from the end of this thing. Let's get into the Strider stuff. Okay, so so I I saw some pictures of you with the fez, right? Your hat. Right? Yeah. Cool the cool hat that you guys wear. You got it. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. Nice. I appreciate it. Um There you go. There there's the fez. Why the Shriners? Why the Shriners and what are the Shriners? Okay. So um and it's a little crooked, but that'll be all right. Ah, it's fine. It's good. Um, so, I've seen Indiana Jones. I know how they fit. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Shriners, uh, I guess first thing first, it's, uh, and apparently my dog really wants to be on camera. It's an appearance. Right it's an appearance. Yeah, I put the fez on and she's like, oh, dad's got the hat on. I get to be on camera. Uh, so we're just going to let her climb back there. Well, I, oh, I am two. being, <laughs> wow, okay. That's how you know it's live. Yeah. Um, so um, the first thing probably that's important to note is that Shriners uh, is a fraternity and a hospital, um, a group of hospitals. So uh, the fraternity side of things, um, we, we operate um, in, in a lot of different cities around the country. Uh, we're a traditional fraternal organization. If you think of college fraternities, think of that for grown men. Uh, but we have a philanthropic purpose. So we have a lot of fun. You probably see us on, you know, 
cars, uh, little tiny cars in parades. Um, you know, we have we have fun. We have a good time. We're a brotherhood. But our our our, our philanthropic purpose, uh, we say we have uh, the world's greatest philanthropy, which is our hospital. Um, we operate 22 hospitals um, or medical facilities across the United States, Mexico, and Canada. Um, so those hospitals uh, treat various different uh, illnesses and ailments for children, regardless of their family's ability to pay. Right. Um, so, for example, um, I am an associate board member for our hospital in Dayton. Um, our Shriners Children's Ohio is the name of the hospital. Uh, there we are a specialty burn clinic. Um, so we do a lot of surgeries and, and rehabilitations for, uh, for, for burn victims. Uh, but we also do a lot of other wound care and other plastic surgery uh, for children like cleft, cleft palate. Um, Skin grass. We have other hospitals that focus on orthopedic injuries and ailments. Um, but the biggest thing, like I said, is that we, we treat uh, for these kids regardless of their family's ability to pay. So if they come in and they have insurance, we're going to accept you know, insurance. But it, you know, a great example, um, we raised within the last month uh, there was a child um, from Guatemala who had was playing a game with his brother. He was uh, six years old. Uh, I believe it was six. Um, I always get my sixes and my nines upside down, so he may have been nine. Sure. Uh, but um, he was playing this game where they try to like set these things on fire and then run away. And he had uh, a burn over, I believe it was 70% of his body. And the facility there had said more or less that there was nothing that they could do but just make him comfortable. And so we raised in the course of, I want to say it was less than two days, we raised $45,000 to get him from there to our hospital so that we could get him treated and get things turned around for him. Um, you know, the, the, the saying is that we have the most amazing care anywhere. I, I thought I knew what a miracle was. I didn't until I went into one of our hospitals. I mean, genuinely, it, 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 there's there's no other word for it than miraculous. It is completely just amazing to see the change, and it's not just a physical change that occurs for these kids. It, it, it's it's a full just like you you see them become a kid again because when a kid has a severe illness or ailment, they they lose a little bit of themselves when they they feel like oh I can't go run and I can't play. And Shriners allows kids to be kids again. And it really is just, uh, like I said, if you, if you get the chance to visit one of our hospitals, to meet with some of our patients, um, it, it, it's just, it's life-changing. I have cried more tears working with our kids than I ever had in the, you know, 30 years before. Um, you know, to get to see a kid put on a prosthetic for the first time and be able to walk. Like, those are things that, we take a lot of things for granted and it really, it, it just, it, it tugs at the heartstring and it shows that there's a lot of good in the world. Sure. And, you know, to not to tie it back into the political side of things, but you know, this is a philanthropic, a philanthropic charitable organization that's out there doing this for these kids. They're, we're not relying on, you know, the government to step in and help. This is, us coming together as a community and saying that there, there are kids that need help and we are going to help them. We're going to do what's necessary to help these kids because, you know, we are ultimately 
there to help each other and to grow. So that's uh, that's the the short and the long of it is we have 22 hospitals all over America and Canada and one in Mexico. And uh, we uh, we are accepting kids. If you, I should also plug and say, if you know any children that need uh, any assistance in any of those areas, where, whether it be cleft palate, burn, you know, uh, plastic surgery, uh, orthopedic, um, connect with me on Facebook. I can get you in touch with a hospital. We we help with transportation. You know, it's it's a truly full service experience where we really want to be there and help these kids. So uh, we we need patients. We're always happy and excited to get the opportunity to take on new patients. And obviously, we we need funds. It costs a lot of money to do these things because we have a full staff of some of the best doctors in the world. Um, and so it takes money to to pay for them. So being a charitable run organization, any funds donated definitely go a long way. And then uh, any patients that need to help, we're, we're there to help. And, and I should also note that tonight is the East West Shrine football game uh, currently going on uh, in Las Vegas. So if you are a Raiders fan, um, that it is in your stadium uh, happening right now. And that's basically, and that, for those who don't know, that's basically like the Pro Bowl for college. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it, it's it, uh, WVU's running back Letty Brown is out there right now, hopefully running up a storm. And, um, you know, we, uh, we do that. Uh, a lot of times people will say, well, why, you know, why is there a football game? Why is there a golf tournament? Why is there a football game? Um, you know, one of the things that that does is it gets the name out there and the publicity for people to see what we do. And then in turn, you know, hopefully when people see that they're inspired to help the way that we are. Um, and, you know, if you're around, uh, you know, West Virginia or if you happen to be in uh, Minneapolis this summer, uh, we have our international convention in Minneapolis this summer. And uh, there's a giant parade that will be coming through. And uh, I know my group of guys, I'm the president of the curmudgeon cruisers, which is a favorite word of mine, curmudgeon. I, I love that word, too. I'm not gonna it's lie. a word that should be used more. And um, the curmudgeon cruisers, we are barstool racers. So we have uh, go-kart bodies with a bar stool on top and high handles, and we ride those around in parades and do tricks. So if you happen to be in Minneapolis uh, and you see me coming by on a bar stool, give me a holler, give me a shout, I'll come over and give you a high five. Nice man, I'm a I'm a member of the uh, the the Clampers. If you're not familiar, that's a a West Coast fraternal brotherhood that started with the the gold miners in the 1800s. Um, and uh, and we do a lot of charitable work for the for the children's hospitals. Uh, they're not our hospitals, right? We, the, we, the, there's a, I, th I think last time I looked, there was like seven hundred thousand clampers on the west coast and surrounding territories. Um, and it's the same thing. It's a fraternal brotherhood. Uh, we call ourselves. Uh, we don't know if we're a historical drinking society or a drinking historical society, um, but we, we we do the same things, you know. And it started with the gold miners. It was a really rough. Uh, it was a really rough life being a gold miner. Um, you know, some people don't don't understand that, but um, uh, a lot of brothers would die, and when a brother would die, uh, the gold miners would put their gold dust together and they'd send it to their widows and orphans. So that's what we're really big on is widows and orphans, and so that means like children and and wives, and so they do a lot of work for uh, you know batter. Uh, battered women's shelters and and hospitals and stuff like that and uh, but they, they get together and they do these things called the doings uh, where they they camp out and barbecue and they have uh, uh, they make moonshine and they have moonshine contests and uh, it's a lot of fun it's kind of like the it's kind of like the the hillbilly version of the, 
of the Freemasons or or uh, hey, hey we know. we have hillbillies too. We have hillbilly <laughs> clans in the in the shrine. And, and I should mention the other thing that I I, uh, I always laugh about with this, but I'm always uh, you know I was thinking about this coming on you know this being kind of a libertarian leaning or very very much so libertarian uh, podcast. You know, Shriners are Freemasons, and um, there's always that like group of people that are in my Facebook list that I always laugh when I communicate with them because I'll see like a, the Freemasons are doing fill in the blank. Um, there's a running joke within the Freemasons. And that is that the only thing that we're doing is having a dinner that we have to be at at least every night of the week. Right. Um, that's, <laughs> I promise there is no grand conspiracy. And if there was, I couldn't tell you anyway. Sure. Sure. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I, and I got a lot of friends that are Freemasons. In fact, some in, in the family, um, but there's, there's a religious aspect to, uh, the Shriners as well, right? I mean, you guys have to take an oath that you, uh, you believe in, 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 in God and stuff, right? So we have to believe in a God, whatever that means to you. Oh, okay. So it's not like, um, you're not forced. There, to... there are branches of Freemasonry that were require a specific religion. Um, but in general, it is that you profess a belief belief in God. Sure, whatever that means to you. Sure. Well, man, we're uh, we're at the end of this thing, uh, bro. I appreciate the work you're doing with the Mises Caucus, uh, I, and I know you're running for for uh, LNC, correct? Yes. Uh, yeah, it's crazy that we got all the way through this, and and that's how you know that like while it's important to me, there were so many other things on the radar. Uh, yes, running for LNC at large. Um, Hoping to uh, to push through and, and see that happen because I want to work with uh, the guys like you and gals like Angela who I think are really out there doing the Lord's work and uh, I, I think based on my background and experience I've got a, a a really unique set of skills like Liam Neeson to bring to the table so uh, hopefully people will check me out and uh, and if they have questions they can shoot me a message and ask. I'm always happy to talk. Sure. Well, I think uh, I think you're you're a pretty level-headed guy. You seem very rational, smart, educated, but also down to earth. Uh, you, you definitely have my support, sir. Um, and uh, and uh, we need we're going to need people on the board with people like me on the board. We're going to need people like you on the board. It's kind of it's important to kind of balance some of those things out. You know what I mean? I'm definitely uh, I'm not always the most level-headed. Let's be honest. People know that about me. Um, I, I did one day of Tai Chi, Josh, and and, and it, when I did it. Uh, our sensei said, you know, that you need yin and yang. He yeah. said like bong with a Y. Exactly. And he, he said, scoop heaven, scoop earth and stroke the furry kitty. Yeah. So, uh, well, that's all once, I remember from Tai Chi. Every once in a while, I need somebody who's very rational and very level headed to be like, Hey man, Hey, come here. Let me talk. Hey, let's just take some deep breaths. Okay. And you're like, you know, you're right. You're right, buddy. And, and then I get back out there and do the right thing. But, um, you know, I, I've, I've been on this board for, this is my fourth year on the LNC. You know, and uh, I kind of got to the point where it's like, look, and I said this, I said this in my speech at the Iowa State Convention this past weekend. I said, unfortunately, I'm on a very weird board right now where one third of us is vehemently trying to fight against corruption and, and bring integrity and truth to this board in the party around the entire country. Um, uh, you know, one third of us is completely apathetic to anything that can be considered drama. Um, these people, it's like, it's like it's at the drop of a hat, they're like drama, drama, drama. Right. Um, and, uh, and then there's one third that is applauding and impressed, 
uh, by the by the absolute blatant corruption going on in the party right now. So um, I'm just looking forward to having a board that can uh, get things done and is is full of people who are anti-corruption and full of integrity and truth and, and honesty. Um, and uh, we can all have, you know, it's it's like this 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 uh, this board now. Like we can all have different personalities, but the 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 impasse is that is that corruption, right? And, and, and integrity and truth. And that's why we fight so much. And that's why it's so bad is because, you know, those things are, are their values that need to be held by a national board for a political party, especially the libertarians. When I have a board that, that is a majority of those kind of people, you'll see a lot more work getting done and you'll see, you'll see the important stuff being handled and you'll see the messaging turn to something that's very beautiful. And, and, and this, you know, we'll start professing these beautiful, uh, philosophies to the public at large instead of, uh, you know, pointing our arrows inwards. And that was always kind of the, the, the core reason why the Mises caucus was, um, fighting its own party really is because, you know, we can't get that work done until we get this work done. Right. Um, and so, so I look forward to working with you, man. And I, I, I think, uh, you know, you'll be at the top of my list for at large uh, and I'll be telling my supporters that it's time to support Mr. Blankenship for, uh, at large position, brother. Uh, I appreciate you before we get going. Can you tell the the great people who listen and and watch the show where they can find you, support you, listen to you, uh, help you out all that great, all that great stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm a very boring individual and I primarily just use Facebook. So, uh, my, Facebook information, Dustin S. Blankenship. So uh, you'll see me on there. I've got a red background and look like this ugly mug. Um, and then, you know, I, as, as I was explaining, I have a, a Twitter that if people start following, maybe I'll start using. Uh, it's at Real Libertarian, R-E-E-L, because I am a cinephile and love movies. Uh, but those are your two best places to find me. And uh, obviously at the nearest karaoke location, because I'm a a major fan of karaoke. So if there happens to be a karaoke going on in town, I'm probably also there. Are you a karaoke wizard, man? I, I, I had a recording contract in Nashville growing up with my family. Nice. So, dude. um, I, I'm not saying that I'm a good singer because I think my family are, they're better than I am, but I can carry a tune. <laughs> we got to get you on TikTok, brother. You know, I like watching TikTok. Sure. We all do. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm made out to to be a TikTok star, but but maybe you know what? Uh, when when we get to convention, well, you can help me do my first TikTok. Perfect, I will help you, and I will karaoke with you because I enjoy karaoke myself. Perfect, cool man. <laughs> hey, well, if you could give me like two minutes to close out the uh, the public stream, we'll start the the members only stream here in a second. Sounds good. All right, brother. Thanks. All right, guys, another awesome episode of Break the Cycle. Dustin's so cool. Please go follow him on Facebook at Dustin S. Blankenship. And if you're going to uh, become a delegate to the National Convention, really think about supporting him for at large. I think he's a great guy, uh, and I know he's running on the Mises Caucus slate, so a lot of you guys that watch this show are already going to vote for him. But, man, support this man. Seriously, do what you can uh, to make this board full of people like D- Dustin and uh, other great people on the Mises Caucus slate. Uh, guys, go check out my sponsors, of course, 